Section 9 of Lives of the Most Eminent Painters, Sculptors, and Architects, Volume 7, by Giorgio Vasari, translation by Gaston de C. de Vere. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. Bacchio Bandinelli, Sculptor of Florence, Part 4. After these things, Bacchio made two models of wood, with the statues and scenes in wax. These models had the bases solid, without projections, and on each base were four fluted ionic columns, which divided the space into three compartments, a large one in the middle, where in each there was a pope in full pontificals, seated upon a pedestal, who was giving the benediction, and smaller spaces, each with a niche containing a figure in the round and standing upright, four brachia high, which figures, representing saints, stood on either side of those popes. The order of the composition had the form of a triumphal arch, and above the columns that supported the cornice was a marble tablet three brachia in height and four brachia and a half in width in which was a scene in half-relief. In the scene above, the statue of Pope Leo, which statue had on either side of it in the niches, St. Peter and St. Paul, was his conference with King Francis at Bologna. And this story of Leo in the middle, above the columns, was accompanied by two smaller scenes, in one of which, that above St. Peter, was the saint restoring a dead man to life, and in the other, that above St. Paul, that saint preaching to the people. In the scene above Pope Clement, which corresponded to that mentioned above, was that pontiff crowning the Emperor Charles at Bologna, and on either side of it are two smaller scenes, in one of which is St. John the Baptist preaching to the people, and in the other St. John the Evangelist raising Drusiana from the dead, and these have below them in the niches the same saints, four brachia high, standing on either side of the statue of Pope Clement, as with that of Leo. In this structure, Bacchio showed either too little religion, or too much adulation, or both together, in that he thought fit that the first founders after Christ of our religion, men deified and most dear to God, should give way to our popes, and place them in positions unworthy of them, and inferior to those of Leo and Clement. Certain it is that this design of his, even as it was displeasing to God and to the saints, so likewise gave no pleasure to the popes, or to any other man, for the reason, it appears to me, that religion, and I mean our own, the true religion, should be placed by mankind before all other interests and considerations. And, on the other hand, he who wishes to exalt and honor any other person should, I think, be temperate and restrained, and confine himself within certain limits, so that his praise and honor may not become another thing, I mean senseless adulation, which first disgraces the praiser, and also gives no pleasure to the person praised, if he has any proper feeling, but does quite the contrary. 
Bacchio, in doing what I have described, made known to every one that he had much good will and affection indeed towards the popes, but little judgment in exalting and honoring them in their sepulchres. The models described above were taken by Bacchio to the garden of Cardinal Ridolfi at Sant'Agata on Monte Cavallo, where his lordship was entertaining Sibo, Salviati, and Messer Baldassari de Pescia to dinner, they having assembled together there in order to settle all that was necessary in the matter of the tombs. While they were at table then, there arrived the sculptor Solosmeo, an amusing and outspoken person, who was always ready to speak ill of any one, and little the friend of Bacchio. When the message was brought to those lords that Solosmeo was seeking admittance, Ridolfi ordered that he should be ushered in, and then, turning to Bacchio, said to him, I wish that we should hear what Solosmeo says of our bestowal of these tombs. Raise that door curtain, Bacchio, and stand behind it. Bacchio immediately obeyed, and when Solosmeo had entered and had been invited to drink, they then turned to the subject of the tombs allotted to Bacchio. Whereupon Solosmeo reproached the cardinals for having made a bad choice, and went on to speak all manner of evil against Bacchio, taxing him with ignorance of art, avarice, and arrogance, and going into many particulars in his criticisms. Bacchio, who stood hidden behind the door curtain, was not able to contain himself until Solosmeo should have finished, and bursting out, scowling and full of rage, said to Solosmeo, What have I done to you, that you should speak of me with such scant respect? Dumbfounded at the appearance of Bacchio, Solosmeo turned to Ridolfi and said, What tricks are these, my lord? I want nothing more to do with priests and took himself off. The cardinals had a hearty laugh both at the one and at the other, and Salviati said to Bacchio, You hear the opinion of your brothers in art. Go and give them the lie with your work. Bacchio then began the work of the statues and scenes, but his performances by no means corresponded to his promises and his duty towards those pontiffs, for he used little diligence in the figures and scenes, and left them badly finished, and full of defects, being more solicitous about drawing his money than about working at the marble. Now his patrons became aware of Bacchio's procedure, and repented of what they had done. But the two largest pieces of marble remained, those for the two statues that were still to be executed, one of Leo seated and the other of Clement, and those they ordered him to finish, beseeching him that he should do better in them. But Bacchio, having already drawn all the money, entered into negotiations with Messer Giovanni Battista d'Aricasoli, Bishop of Cortona, who was in Rome on business of Duke Cosimo's, to depart from Rome and go to Florence, in order to serve Cosimo in the matter of the fountains of his villa of Castello, and the tomb of his father, Signor Giovanni. The duke having answered that Bacchio should come, he set off for Florence without a word, leaving the work of the tombs unfinished and the statues in the hands of two assistants. 
the cardinals hearing of this allotted those two statues of the popes which still remained to be finished to two sculptors one of whom was raffaello de montelupo who received the statue of pope leo and the other giovanni de bacchio to whom was given the statue of clement they then gave orders that the masonry and all that was prepared should be put together and the work was erected but the statues and scenes were in many parts neither pumiced nor polished so that they brought bacchio more discredit than fame arriving in florence bacchio found that the duke had sent the sculptor tribalo to carrara to quarry the marble for the fountains of castello and the tomb of signor giovanni and he so wrought upon the duke that he wrested the tomb of signor giovanni from the hands of tribolo demonstrating to his excellency that the marbles for such a work were already in great measure in florence thus little by little he penetrated into the confidence of the duke insomuch that both for this reason and for his arrogance every one was afraid of him he then proposed to the duke that the tomb of signor giovanni should be erected in the chapel of the neroni a narrow confined and mean place in san lorenzo being too ignorant or not wishing to suggest that for so great a prince it was proper that a new chapel should be built on purpose he also prevailed on the duke to demand from michelagnolo on bacchio's behalf many pieces of marble that he had in florence and when the duke had obtained them from michelagnolo and bacchio from the duke among those marbles being some blocked-out figures and a statue carried well on towards completion by michelagnolo bandinelli taking them all over hacked and broke to pieces everything that he could find thinking that by so doing he was avenging himself on michelagnolo and causing him displeasure he found moreover in the same room in san lorenzo wherein michelagnolo worked two statues in one block of marble representing hercules crushing antaeus which the duke was having executed by the sculptor fra giovanni agnolo these were well advanced but bacchio saying to the duke that the friar had spoilt that marble broke it into many pieces in the end he constructed all the base of the tomb which is an isolated pedestal about four brachia on every side and has at the foot a socle with a moulding in the manner of a base which goes right round and with a fillet at the top such as is generally made for pedestals and above this a sima three-quarters of a brachio in height which goes inwards in a concave curve inverted after the manner of a frieze on which are carved some horses skulls bound one to another with draperies and above the whole was to be a smaller pedestal with a seated statue of four brachia and a half armed in the ancient fashion and holding in the hand the baton of a condottieri captain of armies which was to represent the person of the invincible signor giovanni de medici this statue was begun by him from a block of marble and carried well on but never finished or placed on the base built for it 
it is true that on the front of that base he finished entirely a scene of marble in half-relief with figures about two braccia high in which he represented signor giovanni seated to whom are being brought many prisoners soldiers women with dishevelled hair and nude figures but all without invention and without revealing any feeling at the end of the scene indeed there is a figure with a pig on the shoulder which is said to have been made by bacchio to represent messer baldassare de pescia in derision for bacchio looked upon him as his enemy since about this time messer baldassare as has been related above had allotted the two statues of leo and clement to other sculptors and moreover had so gone to work in rome that bacchio had perforce to restore at great inconvenience the money that he had received beyond his due for those statues and figures during this time bacchio had given his attention to nothing else but demonstrating to duke cosimo how much the glory of the ancients had lived through their statues and buildings saying that his excellency should seek to obtain in the same way immortality for himself and his actions in the ages to come then after he had brought the tomb of signor giovanni near completion he set about planning to make the duke begin some great and costly work which might take a very long time duke cosimo had ceased to inhabit the palace of the medici and had returned with his court to live in the palace in the piazza which was formerly occupied by the signorina and this he was daily rearranging and adorning now he had said to bacchio that he had a desire to make a public audience chamber both for the foreign ambassadors and for his citizens and the subjects of the state and Bacchio, with Giuliano di Bacchio d'Agnolo, went about thinking how to suggest to him that he should erect an ornamental work of Fossato's stone and marble, thirty-eight braccia in width and eighteen in height. This ornamental work, they proposed, should serve as the audience chamber, and should be in the great hall of the palace, at that end which looks towards the north the audience chamber was to have a space of fourteen braccia in depth the ascent to which was to be by seven great steps and it was to be closed in front by a balustrade excepting the entrance in the middle at the end of the hall were to be three great arches two of which were to serve for windows being divided up by columns four to each two of fossato's stone and two of marble and above this was to curve a round arch with a frieze of brackets which were to form on the outer side the ornament of the façade of the palace and on the inner side to adorn in the same manner the façade of the hall the arch in the middle forming not a window but a niche was to be accompanied by two other similar niches which were to be at the ends of the audience chamber one on the east and the other on the west and adorned with four round corinthian columns which were to be ten braccia high and to form a projection at the ends 
in the central façade were to be four pilasters which were to serve as supports between one arch and another to the architrave frieze and cornice running right round both above the arches and above the columns these pilasters were to have between one and another a space of about three brachia and in each of these spaces was to be a niche four brachia and a half in height to contain statues by way of accompaniment to the great niche in the middle of the façade and the two at the sides in each of which niches bacchio wished to place three statues bacchio and giuliano had in mind in addition to the ornament of the inner façade another larger ornament of extraordinary cost and grandeur for the outer façade the hall being awry and out of square this ornament was to reduce that outer side to a square form and there was to be a projection of six braccia right round the walls of the palazzo vecchio with a range of columns fourteen braccia high supporting other columns between which were to be arches forming a loggia below right round the palace where there are the ringhiera and the giants above this again was to be another range of pilasters with arches between them in the same manner running all the way round the windows of the palazzo vecchio so as to make a façade right round the palace and above these pilasters was to be yet another range of arches and pilasters after the manner of a theatre with the battlements of that palace finally forming a cornice to the whole structure knowing that this was a work of vast expense bacchio and giuliano consulted together that they should not reveal their conception to the duke save only with regard to the ornament of the audience chamber within the hall and that of the façade of Fossato's stone on the side towards the piazza stretching to the length of twenty-four braccia which is the breadth of the hall designs and plans of this work were made by giuliano and with these in his hand bacchio spoke to the duke to whom he pointed out that in the large niches at the sides he wished to place statues of marble four braccia high seated on pedestals namely leo the tenth in the act of restoring peace to italy and clement the seventh crowning charles the fifth with two statues in smaller niches within the large ones on either side of the popes which should represent the virtues practised and put into action by them for the niches four braccia high between the pilasters in the central façade he wished to make upright statues of signor giovanni duke alessandro and duke cosimo together with many decorations of various fantasies in carving and a pavement all of variegated marbles of different colours this ornament much pleased the duke thinking that with this opportunity it should be possible in time to bring to completion, as has since been done, the body of that hall, with the rest of the decorations and the ceiling, in order to make it the most beautiful hall in Italy. And so great was His Excellency's desire that this work should be done, that he assigned for its execution such a sum of money as Bacchio wished and demanded every week. A beginning was made with the quarrying and cutting of the fossato stone in order to make the ornamentation in the form of the base, 
columns, and cornices. And Bacchio required that all should be done and carried to completion by the stone cutters of the Office of Works of Santa Maria del Fiore. This work was certainly executed by those masters with great diligence, and if Bacchio and Giuliano had urged it on, they would have finished and built in all the ornaments of stone very quickly. But Bacchio gave his attention to nothing save to having the statues blocked out, finishing few of them entirely, and to drawing his salary, which the duke gave him every month, besides paying for his assistance, and meeting every sort of expense that he incurred in the work, and giving him five hundred crowns for one of the statues finished by him in marble, wherefore the end of this work was never in sight." Even so, if Bacchio and Giuliano, being engaged on a work of such importance, had brought the head of that hall into square, as they could have done, instead of putting right only half of the eight braccia by which it was awry, and leaving several parts badly proportioned, such as the central niche, and the two large ones at the sides which are squat, and the members of the cornices which are too slight for so great a body, if, as they might have done, they had gone higher with the columns, thus giving greater grandeur, a better manner, and more invention to that work, and if also they had brought the uppermost cornice into touch with the level of the original old ceiling above, they would have shown more art and judgment, nor would all that labor have been spent in vain and wasted so thoughtlessly as has since been evident to those to whom as will be related it has fallen to put it right and finish it for in spite of all the pains and thought afterwards devoted to it there are many defects and errors in the door of entrance and in the relation of the niches in the side walls in which it has since been seen to be necessary to change the form of many parts although it has never yet been found possible without demolishing the whole to correct the divergence from the square or to prevent this from being revealed in the pavement and the ceiling it is true that in the manner in which they arranged it even as it now stands there is proof of great craftsmanship and pains and it deserves no little praise for the many stones worked with the bevel square which slant away obliquely by reason of the hall being awry and as for diligence and excellence in the working laying and joining together of the stones nothing better could be seen or done but the whole work would have succeeded much better if bacchio who never held architecture in any account had availed himself of some judgment more able than that of giuliano who although he was a good master in wood and had some knowledge of architecture was yet not the sort of man to be suitable for such a work as that was, as experience has proved. For this reason the work was pursued over a period of many years, without much more than half being built. Bacchio finished and placed in the smaller niches the statue of Signor Giovanni and that of Duke Alessandro, both in the principal façade, and on a pedestal of bricks in the great niche the statue of pope clement and he also brought to completion the statue of duke cosimo 
in the last he took no little pains with the head but for all this the duke and the gentlemen of the court said that it did not resemble him in the least wherefore bacchio having already made one of marble which is now in one of the upper apartments in the same palace and which looked very well and was the best head that he ever made defended himself and sought to cover up the defects and worthlessness of the new head with the excellence of the old however hearing that head censured by every one one day in a rage he knocked it off with the intention of making another and fixing it in its place but in the end he never made it at all it was a custom of bacchio's to add pieces of marble both small and large to the statues that he executed feeling no annoyance in doing this and making light of it he did this with one of the heads of cerberus in the group of orpheus in the saint peter that is in santa maria del fiore he let in a piece of drapery in the case of the giant of the piazza as may be seen he joined two pieces a shoulder and a leg to the casus and in many other works he did the same holding to such ways as generally damn a sculptor completely End of section 9. Bacchio Bandinelli, Sculpture of Florence, Part 4.